0: That was sweet. I tell you what, I owe her a big Christmas present. Wow. Who are you talking about? Uh, I bring you greetings from Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, it's a blessing to be here and just share with you a few moments this morning. Uh, It's nice that you let Brad have some time off because everybody needs a rest and everybody needs a vacation. Talked to him yesterday, and he's He's getting excited to start back next week, and that's a good thing. That means that he's rest up and feeling a lot better. So be praying for he and Sarah, and we are so excited for all of you here, uh, here at One Love. And we pray for you all the time. I, I look at your website all the time, and, and uh, it's just so exciting. Um, I want you to know that you all, all the leaders here, all of you are doing a fantastic job. And I just thank the Lord, and just be praying for each other, and be supporting each other, and you're going to see some fantastic things happen here. I want to share with you, take your Bibles if you would, if you have your Bibles today. Turn to Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. I'm going to ask you to do something before, before we get started there in God's Word, and that is, how many of you like... Uh, having your picture taken? Anybody? Two, okay, that's usually, how many of you run when it's time to get your pictures taken? Okay, all right, which by the way, I was reading the other day, do you know that when you're looking at your own picture, the two most popular comments, um, one of them is, uh, I didn't know I looked that way. And do you know what the number one comment is when you're looking at your own picture? What is it? uh, No, you you know what the number... Yeah, that's what I say. (laughs) That's what I say. Actually, I say what the number one comment is. I say, well, I just don't take good pictures. (laughs) Insinuating that every camera ever took my picture was bad. But uh, I want you to take a picture this morning as we start and hold on to it for these next few minutes. But I want you to take an inward picture of your spiritual life just for a moment I want you to take a picture about your relationship this morning with Jesus Christ and I want you to take a picture this morning about your relationship with his church nobody's going to see it but you and God not even that person sitting next to you is going to see it but it's important that you see it this morning so take that picture, hold on to it for a few moments. I'm going to share with you something that should be very interesting to all of you, especially in a church plant. I want to share with you the unleashed church, how Jesus meant it to be, the way Jesus made it. We're going to look at what exactly does that mean, being unleashed. And we're going to look at what Jesus said about it and how jesus acted and and be looking at some answers we play a video in louisville at our church at first church of god there and and i really love the video because the name of it is what is the church and this guy comes on with this low voice what is the church and and it shows this guy and he draws a big outline of a church on this board and then he starts drawing all the people in the church one by one he makes all kinds of different-looking people in the church. And then at the end of the drawing, he says, what is the church? The church is you. You are the church. And as I'm sharing this morning, I want you all to remember that. You are the church. The church isn't a building. The church isn't a place. The church is you and I following Jesus and working for his kingdom. And before we examine though the unleashed church, I want to talk to you a minute about the American church. And I'm going to give you some some really hard statistics and facts. And I know that statistics don't show all the story, and for every fact that you and I look at, there's always exceptions. But I want to share with you this. Facts and statistics always point us in the direction that things are moving. They always show us the trends. And I want to read you some trends of the American church. 3,600 of the 4,500 churches of the United States this coming year will close. They will shut down. They will close their doors. They will go bankrupt, never to be used as a church again. That's unbelievable. As a matter of fact, the church that we went to Louisville uh, at First Church, a little over three years ago, was one of those churches. It was a church that the state was closing up. They were shutting their doors. Everybody had left except a few people. And those few, the only reason they didn't leave, they didn't have a place to go. <laughs> they didn't know where to go. Now, thankfully, thank God, that Carol and I had a burden. And so we went to that church. And now that is one of the 1% of those 4,500 churches that are actually trying to restart. And God has blessed us there. But I want to share with you that less than 1% of those 4,500 churches or more that are closing in America this coming year, they're not going to restart. Nobody is going to go there and say, Hey, you know, I think God wants this church to keep going. They're going to be dead, and they're going to be gone. 72% of U.S. churches did not attend. Listen to this for a minute. Because you have a great philosophy You have Christ's philosophy about reaching out here at One Love. But listen to this, 72% of U.S. churches last year did not attempt to engage one lost or unchurched person at any level outside the church doors, 72%. 83% of young people today, ages 17 to 24, left their church the past year never to return, meaning that the average American church only holds on to 17% of young people from 17 to 24. Since 1991, number of adults who don't attend church has risen from 39 to 81 million. One mainline denomination of adults, or one mainline denomination reported that 69% of their churches didn't baptize one person last year is that amazing? The doctor has examined the patient. And the American church, oh, I know there's exceptions. There's always exceptions. But for the most part, the American church is sick and on the critical list. And 4,600 or more this coming year are also going to close. When we talk about the church being unleashed and the unleashed church this morning, let me share something with you. This is nothing new, and this is is nothing that is strange or different. It is what Jesus designed us to be, the unleashed church. It's the way Jesus made it. Um, We have a little dog named Baron, and uh, he's a little Cavalier King, King Charles. He weighs a little bit over 20 pounds now. And uh, Baron has an issue with being on a leash. He can walk right by my side and he's fine. Of course, in Louisville, you've got to have your dog on a leash. I put him on a leash, he jerks, he jumps, he pulls, he twists, he shakes. He hates being on a leash. It's embarrassing. I take him to the park to walk him, everybody's looking. He's jerking. He's, I'm like, Baron, quit. You know, I seriously have thought about calling Caesar the dog whisperer. To come and help me because I have tried everything. Baron hates being, and of course, the last thing uh, that happened about a month and a half ago, we were at Tom Sawyer Park there in Louisville. Baron and I hiking, and of course, he's doing his thing on the leash, you know, jerky and everything. I'm like, Baron, stop, please. And a little girl about 12 years old is walking this Great Dane, <laughs> and this dog is as big as a horse, but. He is walking, they're like walking in unison, like perfect harmony. This dog has perfect behavior. And of course, Baron sees that, like that. And I'm like, Baron, please. And then this little girl, to make matters worse, she walks by, let me give you the exact quote. Hey, mister, you're sure having trouble with that little puppy, aren't you? (laughs) I felt like saying, he's not little, he's over 20 pounds. But I did, and I was just embarrassed again. But you know what? It's not Baron's fault. He's not meant to be tied up. If you research his breed, which we've done, he's meant to run. He's meant to be out in the fields and run. We've got about three acres in the back of our house in Louisville. And I take him out there, and I never see him so happy. He runs and runs and runs. You can almost see a smile on his face. That's how the church is meant to be. Unleashed. Unleashed in the community. Running with the message of Christ to other people. Running on his mission. Not confined to any kind of a building or any kind of a place. The church is meant to be unleashed. Do you know the church is the only organization that is designed for the benefit of non-members? Do you know that? You're here because of non-members. You're here for their benefit. Those that don't know God. Those that don't know the good news. Those that don't know the message. Now, this is all a tall order, I understand, especially if you're living in the United States, where most churches are not like that at all. Most churches don't get it, and most pastors don't get it. But here's why we've got to get it, because Jesus set it up that way. Jesus is our example, and we're going to look today at his example of being unleashed in the community here in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, As we read this, understand he's carefully prepared his disciples. He's taught his disciples. He's modeled them and was their example. He's prayed with them. He's taken them aside many times individually and prayed and talked to them. They've seen all his miracles. They've, They've heard his mighty teachings. And now here at the end of chapter 9, It's time for them to go out. But as he is about to send them out in chapter 10, he's not done teaching and role modeling. Look what he does here, beginning in verse 35, chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the harvest field." Now I want to tell you, if anybody ever wants a philosophy of ministry, look at verse 35 for a minute. Teaching, proclaiming the good news, and healing. That's what we're to do. Teach Proclaim the good news and heal. That's one of the best philosophies of ministry that any of us could ever learn. I want to share with you quickly three things that we can learn about the Unleashed Church and that we can learn about us. What you were created to be, what you are destined to be. You and I, if we follow Jesus. The first is this. The Unleashed Church, first of all, is so consumed with compassion that it must embrace its community. Are you consumed with compassion for those that are lost this morning? Here is Jesus going into all the towns and villages. He's healing them. He's teaching them. He's ministering to them. Why does he do this? It says right there, because he had compassion on them. I want you to do a personal compassion test this morning. Do you care any about those people out in your community? Do I care about them? Do you care about those that are lost that don't know the Lord? What's your level? You know, usually when we first become a Christian or when we're first saved, we're so excited. We can't wait to tell everybody what happened. We can't wait to tell somebody, invite them to church. Let's go to church with me. You're not going to believe what happened to me. My life has changed. I accepted Jesus. But somewhere along the line in those months and years that follow, somewhere the passion and the compassion is lowered. So what's yours this morning? Is it still like 8, 9, or 10? Or is it down maybe about 5? Or is it down maybe 1 or 2? Have you lost all your compassion? Because that is what drives us to real ministry, compassion. Jesus was so consumed with it. The people flocked to him. They knew him. They trusted him. He spent time with them. Many churches today, instead of being connected to their community, and many people today, they're just curled up in a little cocoon. Every Sunday they meet together in this little cocoon. And then when Sunday's over, they they leave there, and you'd never know Anything else goes on. Jesus was infectious with his influence. He said, once you are the light of the world. He said, another time a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Here's the thing. Your job and my job isn't to build a church. It's to be the church. Your job isn't to build one love. It's to be one, love. It's to be those people with compassion that cannot help it, but you've got to go out in your community, and you've got to reach out there, and you've got to minister, and you've got to help those that need what you have. The best expression of the church is not what happens right here. This is awesome to get together and to worship and to learn and to encourage each other, but the best expression is what we do outside the church before we planted New Song Fellowship in 1998, which, boy, that's a long time ago. It's funny how everybody else has gotten older but me. But, yeah, right. When we planted, I'll never forget that uh, an older minister came up to me, and he, he said this. He said, don't go start a church. Go love your city. I've never forgotten that. Don't go start a church. Go love your city. Let's ask ourselves some questions. Are we following Christ's example in the community? Are we connected? Are we compassionate? Do we care about them? Do they recognize us when we go out there? Are we building relationships out there? And not just around the church, but around our homes. Are we having the compassion that we just can't help it? We've got to go out there and reach out to those that are outside these walls. You know, if you've lived in Ohio long enough, you know that we are the orange barrel capital. (laughs) Everywhere you go, I mean, even driving up for Louisville, it's it's pathetic. They're messy, they're dangerous, you've got to reduce speed, you've got to be careful. Think of it this way. The unleashed church understands that every person outside these walls is under God's construction. They're God's construction zone. And one word that you might say, one act of kindness, one good deed that you might do could change their lives forever. And we've got to ask, whenever we see people out there, we've got to ask, what does God want me to do for them? Do I have that kind of compassion? Unfortunately, Again, most people today in churches, most churches today, they're like the airplane pilot that said, I've got some good news and bad news for you. The bad news is we're lost, but the good news is we're making great time. It's the truth. Most churches and most people in churches are like that today. Jesus had compassion for children. He said, Let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He had compassion for the sick and hurting. He said, Go report to John what you've seen. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. He had compassion for the poor. He said, go back and report to John. Even the poor hear the good news preached to them. He had compassion for all races. Jesus was multicultural. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. He had compassion for sinners, those that don't even know him. He said, God demonstrated his love for us. While we're yet sinners, he died for us. He ate with tax collectors. He had prostitutes, his friends. He healed leopards. He restored sight to the blind. All people whose society considered rejects, that's who Jesus reached out to. But yet 72% of our churches today, last year, did not reach out to one person outside their church walls. When Jesus called his disciples, he made one promise. He made one promise. He said, I'm going to make you What? Fishers of men. Now, I'm not a good fisherman, I'll admit. I drive my dad crazy. I cast it out, I reel it in. I cast it out, I reel it in. If my line stays out 10 seconds, that's 10 seconds too long. Those fish need to hit right away. My dad would say, David, would you quit that? You're scared all my fish away. I do know one thing about fishing. If you want to catch fish, you've got to go where they're at. It's the same thing in the church. We've got to have compassion enough to get out there. Second thing I want to mention to you quickly is this. The Unleashed Church is so driven by mission that it refuses to be distracted. What drives you today? Because everybody in here this morning, you're driven by something. You've got passion in your life for something excites you. There's something that, that even you can't wait to get out the door today because you're passionate about something. The Unleashed Person... The Unleashed Church is so passionate and driven by the mission of Jesus Christ that nothing will get in the way and nothing will distract them. Jesus said to his disciples there in 37 and 38, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest. What is our mission? What is the mission of Christ? When I first went to... First Church of God there in Louisville, I told them, you know what? Three years from now, you are going to be so sick of me talking about mission. So let me warn you now. And guess what? Three years later, they're still sick of it. I'm still talking to them about mission. What is your mission? What is your mission? Do you know why? Because one of the first things we forget in church is our mission. We get so hung up doing so many things, we forget the mission. Jesus said it very clearly in Luke chapter 19. He said the Son of Man came to seek and save those that are lost. That is the mission. In any way we can, in culturally relevant ways, to reach out and help save those that are lost. When Jesus was 12 years old, He said, I must be about my Father's business. And when He was Later, 21 years later, when he was dying on the cross, he said, It is finished. What does that tell us? That tells us that he was never distracted by the mission. Distracted is an interesting word. I looked it up. Perplexed or thrown off course by conflicting desires and priorities. That's what happens. We get distracted by our desires. I want to do this, I want to do that, I like this, I like that. And that always leads us to wrong priorities. And it always leads us to drift away from our mission. I spent many years in the state of Ohio on the pastor board and church relations. I went to many churches that were struggling and in trouble. I'll never forget one just north of here, not too far from here. The church had been stopped. The people had all left except for just a few, and it was a mess. I was supposed to go there. There were supposed to be two guys that went with me. I ended up going by myself. I walked into the church, walked into the fellowship hall. There were two groups of chairs and one table in the middle. I sat in the middle, and there were two factions of the church fighting with each other. They hadn't really had church for months. Do you know what they were fighting about? Do you know what destroyed the church? Eventually, a bigger church came in and took it over. They stopped having ministry. They stopped having church because of the color of the carpet. I'm not kidding. You can't make that up. They got into a fight about the color of the new carpet. One thing led to another. One fight led to another fight. The church died. Thankfully, a bigger church came in. Being distracted. Let me tell you something. Always remember this. Keep the main thing the main thing, and that is Christ's mission. Christ's mission. Not my desires. Christ's mission. Not your desires. Christ's mission. Seek and save those that are lost. The unleashed church doesn't get distracted by these little things. And and listen, you and I don't wake up one day and say, Hey, you know what? I think I'm going to just be distracted today from Christ's mission. We don't wake up one day and say, hey, you know what, I I, I think I'm just not going to pay attention to God's mission anymore. I think I just want to do church the way I want to do it. Now, here's what happens, though. I want you to picture in your mind the the front of your yard, your front yard, a big dead tree. You don't just walk out one day, and that tree is perfectly healthy, and then the next day you walk out, and it's dead. You know how a tree dies? It starts internally. It starts little by little internally, and it's not even visible on the outside. But after a period of time being internally dying, then you start to notice things on the outside. And then finally that tree dies. It's the same way with our mission for Christ. We don't wake up one day and say, I don't want to be on God's mission anymore. But what happens is internally we start losing it. Internally we start our desires what we like, what we don't like. And we get off task, and we get off focus, and we drift from the mission, and then we do wake up one morning, and guess what? We could care less about God's mission anymore because it's all become about us and what we like. The Unleashed Church is so driven. It refuses to be distracted. And let me close with this. The third thing is the Unleashed Church is so uncompromising that everyone gets the clear gospel message. Look again in verses 37 and 38 if you have your Bibles. But there's something that Jesus mentions there over and over again. He says, the harvest, the harvest, the harvest field. <clears throat> the harvest, the harvest, the harvest field. The harvest is the crop itself, results of what has been planted. Jesus is talking the harvest here about those that are lost, those that don't know him. Those that need him. Jesus never compromised that message. There's so many churches today, that are so vague. You don't know what they believe in or who they believe in. You can walk into their church building, you wouldn't even know it was a Christian church by what's being taught or said there. When Jesus communicated his message, he kept it simple, clear, and significant. In one verse of 25 words, he explained the whole message. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, many years ago I was sitting in a church. I didn't know the Lord. I wasn't saved. I wasn't listening to what the pastor was saying at all. I wasn't interested. I had one goal. Get out of there. <laughs> but then he read John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. And that was the day and that was the message that caused me to come down and pray and receive Jesus Christ. My whole life was changed because that guy presented the clear message of Jesus Christ. You know what our culture wants you to be and wants me to be? I'll tell you right now. How many of you ever watch The Walking Dead? Anybody ever watch that? Nobody likes zombies? (laughs) (laughs) Carol will say, what are you watching that stuff for? I can't believe people don't like watching zombies. But (laughs) The Walking Dead, you've got all these zombies walking around all the time. All these zombies. Clones of each other. They all act the same, they all kind of look the same. That's what the culture wants you to be. Cultural clones. Whatever they say, you say. However they act, you act. Whatever behaviors they have, you have those behaviors. Whatever teachings they teach, you teach it. That's what the culture wants of you. And We've got many people today that are just getting in line. And many churches today that are just getting in line. But listen, our challenge is keep the teaching of Jesus Christ. The clear, precise teaching. People out there need to know that Jesus died for our sins. They need to know God sent His Son. They need to know you can be born again and you can have a real life. They need to know that. And many people out there, they don't know that anymore. I want to tell you, we've got people in, in Louisville, we've had many that, that have been saved recently, and we just did another baptism service. But guess what? They don't know that until they hear it. Some have heard it for the first time. It reminds me of Romans 1.22 when I hear some people today, professing to be wise, they became fools. The unleashed church communicates the clear, clear gospel, such as in Romans 6.23, their wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Clear truth, such as in John 1, 12, As many as receive him, he gave them the right to be the sons of God. Clear truth, as in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. Reality is that the U.S. is quickly passing from a nation under God to a nation where God is under attack. It's a secular country in which God's ways are always going to be at odds with the culture's ways. It makes it more and more imperative that churches like One Love, that churches everywhere, are honest with the gospel. Communicate the clear gospel, Jesus can change your life. Jesus is the only way. And then let the Holy Spirit do the work. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. I'm going to close now, but I want you to remember that picture that you took a few minutes ago. Look at yourself on the inside. What is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe you don't have any this morning. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, I want to challenge you to think about those words in John three sixteen. Think about having a new life. Think about how much God loves you, and he created you with a purpose in your life. Think about your compassion this morning. When you look at yourself, do you have any compassion anymore for the lost? When you look at yourself, what drives you? Is it God's mission? When you get up in the morning, what drives you? Is it his mission How can I help seek and save those that are lost? Look at that picture this morning. Have you been distracted? Have you been distracted away from God and his mission by something in your personal life, something that happened to you? Maybe something happened in your church life. Maybe somebody hurt your feelings. Maybe somebody hurt you and it's it's taking you away from God's church and God's mission. Don't let anything distract you from his mission today. Here's the deal. You are the church. The church is you. And the good news, that's how Jesus created it to be. That's why it's so exciting. Jesus created it to be just like that. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings and your love. We thank you that we have this great challenge In this culture that we live in today. To be the church that you designed us to be. To be people that are unleashed. Reaching out with your love and your compassion. Helping heal those that need healed. Helping give those who need it. The good news. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, I pray you especially bless One Love Church. All the leaders and everyone that is in it. Help this church, Lord, continue to grow and be the church that you need right here in Uber Heights. Help it to be an unleashed church. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that needs to draw near to you, may they pray this morning and do that. And may they understand that God has, that you've got a purpose for them. You've got a mission. You've got a role and a job. Lord, we love you so much this morning. It's all about you. It's not about us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.